Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous podcast on Twitter and Instagram, follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you don't fucking go to Facebook, I, it's so fucking dead. I hate Facebook. I mean, are you guys still on there? Get off. It's the worst. I promise you. Go off for six months and then go back on and it's like Groundhog Day. Same shit, same weirdos posting pictures of them looking like bunnies. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I hate Facebook. Um, but uh, if you want to follow me, I'm also on TikTok now. Yeah, I'm where the 12-year-olds are. Someone told me, go on there and post confessions. You know, I have like thousands of them in my email. And I have been posting them there. And I, some of them get a lot of people viewing them. There's like billions of people on TikTok. So go follow me on TikTok. Strictly Anonymous Confess, I think it's, it is. If you find the other Strictly Anonymous, you'll see a post that says follow me someplace else. <laughs> but... Follow me there on TikTok. I said Instagram. Uh, where else did I? What else do you need to do? If you haven't subscribed to my podcast, wherever you're listening to it, subscribe. If you're watching it on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like and share my videos and comment. I love, I swear to you, I really love listening to, uh, hearing from my listeners. So comment on the episodes there. If you want to be on the show, this is a call and advice show where I talk to total strangers about all kinds of things. If you want to call into the show, Go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.gmail.com, I mean, .com, and uh, go to click on Be On The Show, or send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast.gmail.com. A lot of people like, text me, or not text me, but like message me on places, and like, oh, I sent you an email, you didn't get it. And I'm like, I didn't fucking get it. And it turns out that I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, they're they're writing the wrong email. So the the easiest thing to do that so you know the email will get to me is just go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com click on be on the show that prompts the email send it to me you could be on the show if you want me to post a confessions you just have a naughty confession you want to send me don't make it that long send it to me i'll post it on tiktok <laughs> if you want to become a patreon member i have a patreon i i deleted one tier because my patreon was just getting to be so much work um, I focus mostly on my pantyhose tier. I call those guys that belong there my hosers. I give them a lot of extra fun content. So if you're into pantyhose, trust me, you want to sign up there. I have a lot of stuff in the past that I posted that's really awesome. I have a lot of stuff coming up. We do contests. I do interviews. Lots of extra pantyhose stuff there. You could go sign up for that on patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. What I also do there is I have a tier that's like a $3 tier for people who want to support my show. 
Uh, you get you also get Q and A's, a monthly Q and A, as well as get you get these emails, uh, these emails, <laughs> these episodes early. You get them on Friday instead of Sunday, and then I have a sixty dollar tier, and I love that tier too because I get to talk to people on the DL and it's not taped. I don't post it for my show or anything. It's not like I have to, you know, cut you off and get the whole story because I just have an hour. You know, that's what I'm doing on my show. Instead, on these calls, I just talk to people who want to talk to me about all kinds of things. They're kind of like set up like unprofessional therapy sessions, but people get a lot out of it. I enjoy the conversations. Uh, You could sign up for that on strictly anonymous on patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast or you could set that up with me through with with me or through me or through paypal oh my god i cannot talk today you could do it there i also remember dawn the escort right she was a girl who had she just started an, her own podcast i think we spoke about it on her episode i did a podcast for her we taped it i literally was sitting in my bathroom and you get all that you're going to get of me because i'm anonymous too but you see like my torso <laughs> my tits look really big like extra big. i mean they're kind of big for my body to begin with but they look extra big in this video and if you want to check that out Go to YouTube and Google Dawn Diaries. I'm going to put the link in the um, description. Go to my description below. Click on the link to Dawn Diaries and you could see my interview with her. I talk way too fast. Of course, I monopolize the conversation, but I think it's a good interview. I really like Dawn. She taped another episode with me for my hosers on Patreon. So if you want to hear that, sign up. Uh, What else? Let's just get to who I have on the show today. I have on Chloe Harper. Now, Chloe Harper is her pen name. You know where I found her on TikTok? She like responded to one of my confessions. And then she's like, oh, my God, I've done all this stuff. And she has done a lot. And she's wrote a book. She wrote a book about all of her uh, escorting and I, it just all the stuff that she's done. It's on Amazon. I'll provide the link of that below. But she's here to tell that whole story and more. She's bipolar. She's manic. She's euphoric. She's horny. She's an 11 on a scale of one to 10. She's divorced. She sleeps around. She loves sex and um, all that really good stuff. (laughs) She talks all about it. Now, I have to say, you need to prepare yourself. There are a lot of fucking characters in this story. I was getting confused. I tried to keep it, you know, under control and keep it so that I and you would understand what was going on because there's a lot of people in this story. Um, that's why you might want to buy her book. I don't know. <laughs> I think she has like four more coming out. Uh, and I think it's because, you know, she has this issue. Like I said, she's she's bipolar. She's manic. She, she t- says a lot that she's like, you know, her doctor's worst case ever person and she feeds on that and you know her manic behavior comes out in uh her sex drive her sex life she goes from being a mom to being a total whore and she loves that part of herself so i'm not saying anything about her that she doesn't say herself right uh but she gets into a lot of details she was married she was a webcam girl. She was a flight attendant, which led to escorting. She fucked race car drivers and CEOs and all that stuff. I'm exhausted just talking about it because there's a lot of information here and uh, a lot of stories from Chloe. So anyway, I'm going to be right back on with Chloe. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Uh, hey, Chloe, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. 
No, thank you for coming on. I mean, the only details I know, okay, and it sounds like a lot of information that you're going to have to give me, is that you, uh, I mean, assuming you were married and you had some affairs that led to a lot of things, one including escorting or I don't know. You have to give me the actual like one-liner of it first, and then we'll get into the details. Yeah, absolutely. I was married for over 10, well, about 10 years, so uh-huh. we were together for a while. Uh-huh. And um, to a physician, he was wonderful. Um, and I am bipolar, manic depressive, so I went through a very phase where I was very um, dating very successful people in Ohio, having a really good time, and went on to work at the airline, and then I got engaged again and started escorting. Oh, okay. So you were so the first guy when you were married to him, were you dating while you were married or it was after you guys got divorced that ten years? So, um at the end of my marriage I just my bipolar switched, I was off medicine and I'd been off of it for a while since we had children. And I decided to um, just start dating people. I had plastic surgery. I got the whole mommy makeover. And I just started dating wonderful people about an hour away into one of the big cities. But you were still married. I was still married. And he knew I was doing it. And I actually encouraged him to have an open marriage as well, which he tried to, like, have dinners with people, but nothing came of it. Mm -hmm. He was supportive, but I think a little heartbroken that I went through with it. Um, but I didn't have any concept with it. Um, I'm also diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. So when I switch into my mode, I, I am careless. I'm reckless. It's definitely a dangerous um, thing to be in because I have no control. So I started, um, whining and dining with people at country clubs all over, um, having a really good time. I would drop the kids off at school in the morning. I would get ready. I'd spend my afternoons in <laughs> fancy upscale bars and country clubs and hotels from like two to eight at night, just doing whatever it meant to get. It wasn't a self-satisfactory thing for me. It was a high from making men like get off. Like I wanted to count how many I could get just for myself. Yeah, for sure. It was all about feeding some, something inside of you. It really probably wasn't about the guy. Of course not. Yes. Exactly. And, but your guy, your guy at the time though knew everything about it. Yeah, I mean, would we, he know well, details? Time, yeah, in time, it's, yeah, within details. In time, I was webcam modeling as well, and I had by no means to take on webcaming. I mean, I, he was All fully right. supportive. Everything that I needed was taken care of. But because of my promiscuous side of being bipolar, I was like, I'm going to be a webcam model. And we would go to dinners and lunches and have the kids at a sitter. And I would sit there webcamming in public, um, eating food, talking to him. He knew I was online. And people were so excited, like, jacking off on camera, thinking, oh, my God, her husband doesn't know that she's watching me jack off while she's eating, like, a wing and pizza dinner somewhere. And he knew I was doing it the whole time. Oh, my God. I have a million questions. Wait a second. And then it leads to escorting. And I don't know. It's, this is too good. But wait a second. So your audience, so like at night when you were webcamming, you're like doing naughty things and then you took them along. Like, and so it was kind of like they were having this secret affair with you on a webcam. It, I don't know. How did you even think of that angle? Or it just came naturally because you were in this bipolar mode, right? Yes, it came natural for bipolar, and I'm also a businesswoman. At the time, I owned a clothing store, <laughs> yeah. an entrepreneur. I finally had ways to run the gig. So on Mondays and Wednesdays, when I took the kids to school after I worked with a personal trainer, I would go to 
the local coffee shop, which is a local chain, um, and watch these guys while I drink coffee with a low-cut shirt. I'd lick my lips, suck my coffee slow, drift my finger down my breast line. And people at the coffee shop were looking at me like something's going on, but I sat in the same chair every Monday and Wednesday. And I actually um, made a lot of money of men. Um, I had a Hanes underwear model that would take me, because men can pay like a few bucks to watch you like by themselves. Yeah. Or they can pay to take you private per minute. He would pay $10 per minute for an hour for me just watching him play with himself, this Hanes underwear model. Right. It was like in his early 20s. And you and were at so, work watching it, like you would be watching him while you're doing other things. That was at the coffee shop. Yeah. At the coffee shop. And then I would go back into work and I would run my clothing store like everything was okay and go be a mom, pick up the kids from school. They did sports. And um, and so um, I literally was super mom at the same time as I was doing that. I was sleeping like two, three hours a night. In the evening, they'd go to bed and I'd put on my fancy lingerie which my bless his heart um ex-husband would take me shopping to go pick out the stuff for it he was a trooper i really i really he is now my best friend i mean i literally put him through a ring of hell and i feel horrible about it did the word get out in the community at all or was this one of those classic cases of like oh every on the surface everybody would have thought you guys had the perfect marriage and everything was fine and but underneath this is all the shit that was going down yes it was a town of 10,000 people. So everybody knew um, what we were doing, where we were going, what car we drove, what our kids were in. What, I mean, we were very well known. I mean, very, very well known. But they didn't um, know. Remember, they did not know until the very end when I really, really lost my shit and um, went in to work for the airlines. I was like, I got to leave town. I, I, I just, I'm out. I'm tapping out. I was a stay-at-home mom for 12 years. I was, I was tapping out. Right. Um, but so before that, that, nobody job. had any idea, right? Like, so you're living in this no. small suburban town, right? None. You guys no look like the perfect couple. Your husband's a physician. Like you said, you have your own business. You're super mom. You're a stay-at-home mom. So you know all the other moms. They all know you. When it wound up coming out towards the end, right, when you really lost all control, what did people find out? Um, I think I was bipolar one day and I just was telling my two close best friends, you know, I'm watching guys online for this amount of money. This is what I'm making. I'm making it one or two months. I was making just as much as he was. It was insane. And, um, they were like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, Oh goodness, I should say. And it literally was just blown up so quick. And but in oh, my they mind, went and told everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but in my mind, at the time, we had went on a girl's trip because we had the the one girl's husband was a pilot, so he would get us tickets for girl's trips. And on the girl's trip, I had bumped my head. And when I came back, I was like, I didn't know I had this many kids. Are they this loud all the time? So I literally... What do you mean? Because the, the, the bump... Wait, wait, wait. The bump on your head, like, affected something or something? Yeah, like a traumatic brain injury. Oh, okay. So they said, if you if you don't get better in six months, do something with your life. So as six months came along, I was still promiscuous. I was still doing my thing. And I said, I'm going to take a job at the airlines, which rolls into a whole nother story when the escorting started. Yeah. So <laughs> I've had a really interesting life. But did you guys stay in that town? I mean, because I have to think that when everybody found out, 
you know, that was pretty hard on your family. Maybe not on you because you're still like manic or whatever, but like for your husband and your kids. I mean, when it's kind of like high school, when a rumor gets out, I mean, it's pretty devastating, Mm -hmm. no? Mm -hmm. He stayed in town up until two years ago. And this would have all happened in 2015, 2016. Right. Okay. And now did you guys go on? He was stuck there dealing with my repercussions of whatever, why he stayed there and I was moving on. Right. So now you, that's towards the end. You, you're, you know, everyone's sort of the gig is up about your relationship and your marriage and everything you're doing. And then eventually you guys divorce or how do you leave? And he stays. I go to, this was in March. I leave for flight school in May and it's a six week training in Houston. And when I got back in July, he had filed for divorce. And I never looked at the paperwork. I to the till this day, I don't know what day we were divorced on. I never went to the hearing. I don't want to know. I don't want to believe it's over. Um, I was heartbroken, but yeah, I can't blame him. I how I many years ago have, is this? Well, it would have been twenty sixteen. We were okay. Divorced. So right, right, okay. Um, but you guys are best friends now. We'll get to like well, yeah. you know how you feel about now because you just said like, yeah. oh, I can't. You know, I don't want to believe it. So, but let's just keep continue on with the story. So you're in flight school. You get back. You're divorced. Now you start like flying all over the place. Where's your home base at that point? Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty, secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Um, I was in San Francisco, but the first three months out or three weeks out, I met this amazing man on the airline that happened to be married that had affairs like crazy. We end up living together. I ended up transferring to Dulles in Virginia, Washington Dulles, and we lived together for a year. He never leaves the wife. Well, in the meantime, in one month, I met this very successful man that works for um, a very huge company. I don't want to name, but they design like NASA stuff and everything that very, very high up, like second to the CEO. Yeah. And he's like, you are amazing. He's like, you're promiscuous, you're fun, you're bubbly, you're energetic. <laughs> Your kids are in a stable house in Ohio. My kids are in a stable house in Idaho. His wife was, ex-wife was very successful as well, too, very well known. And he's like, let's make this work. And I was so mad that this guy was married that I'm absolutely in love with. And my family loved him. I brought him home. My ex-husband, all of them met him. The kids loved him and everything. And I was to this new guy said, let's get married. He gave me a $25,000 engagement ring. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's totally do it. We're both whores. We're both crazy. Let's have a good time. So we have like this fun time. Well, he's like, you need to make more money. He's already a millionaire by means, like very well taking care of the rest of his life. And he was 20 years older than me. And he, um, so I said, well, I'm going to start escorting. So my book leads into how I started escorting. But how and um, why did you start escorting? Like, how did that get pop into your head? And I why? Hit it, 
I was miserable in that relationship because I wanted to be with a stable person and my manic side came out again. It had been docile for about a year and it surfaced again. And I thought, well, I could sleep with these men easy for money. It started off as dating. I could go on a date and I could make money on a date within 24 hours. I was like, I would be willing to totally put out for these guys for money. And he was like, well, I don't know if you could do this. And I said, I could totally do this. And um, then I started escorting. And so wait, so it's not something that you ever like the the part there's a it sounds like every time you act out, you don't keep it a secret. I mean, you kind of like maybe it's on purpose that you like throw it in the guy's face. I mean, it's not like you went and escorted secretly on your own. You told your guy straight up like this is what I'm going to go do. Yes, but my family has no clue in the meantime. My mom, like of everybody has not. no yeah. clue that I'm... Uh, but your guy yeah, does. So but which guy are you yeah. with? I'm a little confused. There's a lot of guys in this story. You know, you have this guy that you're living with that you met at the airlines who has a wife, but then you meet the new guy. Who's the guy that you're with yes. when you start escorting? The new guy that like... The new guy. Okay. Yeah, we got engaged, did the whole, you know, go meet the parents thing. And he's 20, 25 years older than me. Um, we do the whole fake facade of a relationship, like just. But why couple, is he not stable? Married. But why is it? What's not? What's unstable about him? Because you said, you know, I was craving the stable relationship, and this is why I acted out. Like, what was wrong he with was, him? He was uh, finagling with girls while I was gone. That I found out like later on, and I think that's what made me explode back into a manic phase. Is my heart was broken because I was with this guy I loved so much. So the new guy was just cheating on me as well. So I felt like, well, I can go out and date guys. I can get, I did it before in my marriage. I can go out and get guys again. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a control thing to hide my feelings of being hurt from him. Um, he was very abusive, very sexually abusive, which comes out in my book as well. Um, right. And also because you're telling him that's like, you're trying to hurt him and do, you know, make him feel like the way you feel. Right. You're yeah. fucking well, other people all... while I'm gonna, and how does it make you feel? True, definitely true, but um, all along he would call me a whore, these horrible things before I started seeing these guys. And oh, it really? would hurt my feelings. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was just very, very abusive. And so when I was like, I'm taking my life back, yeah. I don't need your money, I'm making my own money at five, $700 a pop a person, I, you know, I'm doing just fine on my own. And then it got worse and it just escalated into a complete disaster. Then, of course, my family has no clue why this relationship's going wrong. Like, you guys were engaged, you're moving to Costa Rica, everything was great. And in the meantime, my ex-husband has the kids at his house and decides to move them across Ohio to another place just to get away from the whole, I mean, of work, but the shimbuckle of the whole repercussion of my disaster. Um now, he's a physician, so he has to, like, move a practice. I mean, is he a physician in a hospital, or does he have his own private practice? Yes, he's in a hospital, yes. So he has to move someplace and get a new gig and everything just to clean up your mess. Absolutely. And he's got the kids, all, too. All during, But I'm flying in and out and seeing them around yeah. the schedule. It was tough the first year being in the airlines because they, they really buckle you down. But over the course of time, I was able to come home more and more. And I stay at the house with him when I'm home. Uh-huh. It's kind of like my second little home. Right. I call myself a gypsy because um, I travel around so much. Uh-huh. But So he had to pick up his life and start all over again. Your husband. 
at this point yeah, he's her ex-husband and he i mean he's yeah. probably the only one that has a clue of why that marriage didn't work out i mean i know you said like oh everyone's like wondering why it went south but your your husband probably knew because he knew the shit that was going down with him i mean it, you're not yeah. really capable right at this point of you know not sort of blowing things up or right or keeping in a stable relationship yeah, I'm a train wreck. And so when the things <laughs> went wrong with the fiance, uh, yeah. when the train wreck started, he had a clue why the train wreck started. Yeah, he would I be mean, the one that knows. Yeah. yeah. And maybe everyone yeah. else in and town. He, and when they diagnosed me with multiple personalities, he was like, well, what, what took them so long? Because he was fully aware that I didn't purposely mean to hurt anybody in the process. I just have no control like at all like you know a girl comes up to me and i i don't care who they're dating i, I want to kiss them i'm like it, it's who just, their boyfriend or the girl what do you mean yeah the girl the boy girl boy it doesn't matter i'm like i'm all over it and i feel horrible because whenever he tries to date somebody i'm like hey but um now he's in a stable relationship and it's like i'm i'm, I'm medicated i'm it's, i'm very docile now but it's I mean, it's didn't anyone try to get here. you back on medication in that whole time? Because I would assume that your husband who they, you were living with knew that there's a major difference. Like, I'm surprised he wasn't shoving the pills down your mouth. Um, no, he's very, um, he's not one of those push and shove doctors. He's very, um, but he's not like an herbalist either. He's very, you know, pro the medicine, but we had kids back to back. Yeah. So we've we've got three little girls that were every other year, every other year. And I was breastfeeding and all that fun stuff. So when you're nursing all these kids, you don't want to be on a lot of medicine. Right. So I, I was kind of under control. My hormones and everything were really, really at bay for probably about eight years where we did not have any issues. Cause when we first got together, I was on medicine. Uh -huh. um, but I was having so much side effects from, and I was sleeping like 20 hours a day. It, it was very difficult. Right. So when I w went to have the kids, everything was happy. You know, I had new cars every year. We had a spot at the lake, a lake spot. We were traveling. We were doing all these things. And then once we got settled in a routine and the kids all went back to school, I became horror galore. Like, I don't know if it's because everything drastically changed so much. Even though I was working at my own clothing store, everything changed so quickly. And I got this mommy makeover and I was like, look at me, I'm 115 pounds. And I've got triple D boobs and let's rock this shit. But did you um, get off your medication then or were you still on medication or you've I, been I off? I was not. Right, right. I was off of it from the nursing and the kids. Right. So, so you stayed went, off it and then it was like you feeling good about yourself. That sort of. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. A euphoria. You yeah. just go into like this euphoria that's unexplainable and it could last weeks. It could last a year. You right. have no control over it. Right. And yeah, it's. It's a one. It, I'm not gonna lie. It's a wonderful feeling to be in euphoria. It is like the whole world is your oyster. Right. Like I will, I would sit at the airport and just tease and flirt in my uniform. And when they would come over, I would ditch them in a heartbeat. I was just, I could not stop myself from the euphoria of being manic. Like it's, it. I would slide my fingers like up my skirt, up my pantyhose line in the airport with people watching. I would, um, like, run it down my chest and put my fingers in my mouth and suck them off, like, real slowly. I mean, when I when I am manic, there it's 
it doesn't like it's just not appropriate the things I do. It's not I openly talk about sex to everyone. I don't care if they're in church and religious or if they're 18 or if they're 45,000 years old. I'm kind of like, woohoo, look at me. I have no respect at all. And then when I'm not in mania, I'm like the calm housewife here with the kids. Let's talk slowly. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You can't get to just, that happy medium. Like there's no in the middle. No. Mm-hmm. No, me, even medicated. I'm on uh, seven pills a day right now, even medicated. I still can step out of bounds. And like I said, my ex-husband is the only one that can look at me and say, um, you need to calm it down. And I, I will pull myself together. And literally, but just by his eye raise of his eyebrows, he'll be like, do you need to rest? Do you need something? Let's, let's just eat dinner in tonight. Um, very understanding of what I've got to go through. Let's get back to the escorting thing, though, because um, we got a little off Absolutely. track. Absolutely. And so now you figure out, right, you're in this bad relationship with this guy. You feel terrible about yourself because he's a cheater, right? You start to think like, oh, because you've made money from guys before. I get, I'm assuming you're super horny. You can't even scratch that itch with enough sex, right? So you're like, let's exactly. go out and make money from it, right? How do you find your first guy? I mean, did you put an ad? Did you be like, were you a full-fledged so- escort or... So there is an app or a, an online store, uh, online store <laughs> store to pick up your girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there is a, a well-known um, website, which um, I don't know. Can I say or not? Sure. Say? Yeah. Um, a well-known site called SeekingArrangement.com. Uh-huh. And they, they basically are just your little pre-order people that you want to escort around with. Um, you make a snazzy little profile, you slow up a couple pictures, a couple private pictures for them to request and you start doing your gig. And I loaded mine. And within minutes I had oodles and oodles of guys just, just going crazy. I had done really well with my photos and had different snapshots. I dabbed them with photography on the side. So I was able to put some really good ones good ones up but uh, i'm assuming that you show up and you look fucking hot too i mean you had this mommy makeover what would you say you are on a scale of one to ten i have a feeling i know what you're gonna say Um, oh at that time 11 okay yeah i knew knew it would be extreme yeah okay my photos matched everything that i gave them so that's why i said when i was good dabbling photography i was lucky that they matched when i showed up the guys were like we thought it was a fake photo right thought there was no no way they're like there's absolutely no way and a lot of them would tip me extra because of like me not lying and being real Uh um but yeah i and i hate to say that i was 11 but when i have kids you're like a six you know your confidence (laughs) is just down and you get this massive surgery that's like tightening your stomach you're flattening out you're working out with a personal trainer a few days a week you get this beautiful brand new belly button (laughs) you get everything in the whole package so when these guys pick you up they're just like, you're my wife. Like, my wife has a few kids, and she doesn't look like that. Can you replace that moment for me? Right. So these people are deeply in love with their partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, deeply, like, we don't want to get caught, you know, at all extremes. And I I have never got caught with anybody. Even the guys I dabbled with during my marriage, no one got caught. And there were some well-known people that I signed clauses for that I probably should have been caught with. But... What do you mean we well-known people that you? What do you mean well-known people that you signed clauses with? Like um, famous people, signed, people like in yeah, what? In what? Yeah. Like if you, you're not going to give names, right? Because you signed like uh, Absol- non-disclosures, absolutely. right? But like, what? What yeah. uh, field was it? Were they in? 
Um, they were also other doctors for like famous um, sports teams. Mm-hmm. They were um, CEOs of huge foundations. Uh-huh. Um, um, race car drivers. Uh-huh. Um, one owns a huge clothing factory. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so uh, very, very, very well-known people that, um, that to this day I have not heard. One of them I still hear from. The race car driver, um, he's a little more open now that he's divorced about it. I kind of caused his divorce. Um, How did you cause the divorce? In the beginning, he didn't. Um, but he didn't throw me out in the beginning. It was private. But then it kind of wrapped around that he would come and travel for the race car tracks in Ohio. And my ex-husband would be like, you have to get his tickets. I don't care if you have to put out, you got to get his tickets to these races. And we would, we'd get kick through passes and everything. He does stay in touch. The other ones um, have not stayed in touch. When I was escorting again, the one did pop up because he's the CEO of a huge foundation. So he spends a lot of time in DC where I was located. Um, he would get his hotels a night were $10,000 a night. And he would be like, can you come over, spend the right. night with me? And of course, who's not going to not do that? I don't care who I upset at that point. I'm manic. And if you're going to spend that much on a hotel with an open bar, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Like, yeah, yeah. Just I'm, I'm, I'm your girl. I'm but here. with the guy with the race, the race car driver, you said that, you know, you've never gotten caught. The guys have never gotten caught with you. So how did you break up his marriage? So that's what I'm saying. He was very careful at first. We ne- we was under radar. We traveled to all the races. I mean, it was amazing just to be. A- and I was younger for that one too, so I was still fairly new in the divorce thing. Uh-huh. So um, he literally, when I first started, my um, he's an interesting cause. This this race car driver. I knew him when I was 19, and. When he came back into the picture, my ex-husband actually reached out to him and said, can you be with her? Because if not, she's going to be with a lot of other people. And he felt like a safety niche with him. And so I did go see him. And we, I actually modeled at a car show in Indiana for an event that I saw him for, um, which was a lot of fun. And so I caused his divorce and he did not say anything until the end when they filed everything. And he was married to another professional race car driver. But wait a second. But so this wasn't when you were escorting. This is when you were just having affairs. This was when I was having affairs, but he came back up before the escorting. Okay. But when you were escorting, you said that you never got busted. I don't know. I'm just trying to keep track. There's a lot of, there's a lot of players in this story. There's a lot of going on. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, you know, so you're, how much did you charge escorting? Like what, you know, you go on seeking arrangement, do you, you, so you put in 500 bucks and this is like for the full thing, you're having sex with people for $500. Yep. For about one to three hours. Okay. And I'm assuming you were enjoying yourself. Um, the manic side of me says, take your clothes off, be presentable and be poised and on point. And the depression side of me says, what are you doing at the same time? But the excitement and the high of it, the euphoria kicks back in and it bounces back out. And it's like, you don't care to come. You don't have no desire to get off. You have no desire to do anything, but to service that man and what he needs to come for you. And 
like I said in my book, I count how many comes I get. Did they give me one? Did they give me three? How many did I get from them that they did not give for someone else? Because my fiance at the time would never come for me. He'd never got off for me. I had no idea what it was like for him. And so I did this for my own pleasure. How many comes can I get these men escorting for me to come? Right. And it became a game. And I didn't care if I had to take my clothes off. I don't care if I had to get on my knees and suck. I didn't care if I had to um, sit upside down. I don't care if I had to tie them up. I don't care if I had to beat them or if they had to beat me. I was stuck in this moment that took over me that I had no control of when to stop. It was just come for me, come for me. I want to swallow you. I want to feel it on my breath. What was like one of the craziest things you did just to, you know, get that check to to mark that off in your head? Do you remember? Um, The craziest, no, there's so many moments. Um, One of my funnest moments was um, my, um, of course I have had to change the names for people that we'll call him Peter in my book, um, had this obsession with his girlfriend having a threesome. Well, his other seeking arrangement partner, because he was married, another partner having a threesome. But I said, not on the first shot. And I ended up not seeing him again. He was crazy. We met at this steampunk hotel and I hit the door and he didn't greet himself. He didn't, which we had met for a luncheon before, but he said, Hey, you're here. And he threw this sack at me of all this amazing equipment you shall call it and had me tie him up ball and gag him um beat him with a little whiskey thing like tickle his body and smack him with it he was like as soon as i hit the door he was like tie me up just tie me up and i was like okay i was very just low-key about it in my book because the experience was so crazy that it it was interesting because most guys like to be tied up that's like their thing and he was like a like fully equipment like it was ready to go um that was crazy a lot of guys like sex in elevators i don't know how much sex i've had in elevators i mean it's just insane to be sex in an elevator fingered in an elevator in the parking lots and hotels i don't know how many times i've been busted having sex in an elevator i don't know how they didn't call security and pull me out of those um, well, guys do you are stop the elevator? I mean, how, like, do you just put it on pause? No, we just keep going. Just up the floor, down the floor, one through 11, fingering each other, on your knees. I, there's a camera in those things, but how, especially the public garages when you're going to and from dinners, like when you park in the parking garage, we would ride those things up and down and have, I didn't have zero fucks. Zero fucks if I was going up and down an elevator. Now, me now, like when I'm on my medicine, is like, oh my gosh, I can't even park my car in the garage a certain way. How the hell am I going to go up and down an elevator sucking cock constantly? Right. Up and down, just up and down before dinner. The, the men are very into voyeurism, very into being seen well, well in places that they're not supposed to be caught at, which always surprised me because they were trying to be so private. So when we get done, I'd be like, why do we have sex in an elevator when... Like, you would have been in a lot of shit for that. But they love that. That's why they were paying for it to get off was to do it that way. Right. And so how many guys and how much did you, while you were escorting, did you have in rotation? I mean, how many guys you get meet up with on SeekingArrangement.com? I was with over 50. Right. And why did you stop? Like, what happened at the end of that stint? Like, because I'm assuming you're not doing it now, right? How many years no, did you I'm- do it? Two and a half. Okay. Um, I am not doing it currently. What had happened was I got off my meds for a few weeks, 
Um, of course, you spiral into deep depression. Locked my, I had this beautiful little apartment that was brand new. Locked myself in the apartment for three weeks, and my father passed away. And I had only seen him once in 10 years. We never made up. Mm-hmm. Well, about once in six years, seven or eight years, somewhere around there. My kids were, they never know their grandpa at all, and they're older teens now. And he passed away. And my mom said, you're off your meds. We're moving you back to Ohio from Virginia, D.C. area, and you're coming home. And I came home and I went back on my meds. And since then, I've been see the kids, see my mom, see the kids, see my mom. I'm on medical leave from the airlines. I can go back at any time. But according to my therapist, as we're working through the multiple personality disorder and trying to deal with Chloe and what she's got going on, um, it's, they're not ready for me to go back to the work. Um, there's like Chloe's got so much that she's just peeling off at the surface that we can't even even send you back to the work world at this point because I'm at a danger. If I go back, I will be promiscuous again. I mean, the pilots I've slept with, the trips I've been on um, overseas in Sweden, the plane broke down. I was sleeping with all the pilots, even the female pilot. I mean, (laughs) tell me that story. Okay. So how did you wind up sleeping with all the pilots, including the female pilot? Tell me what like went down. Well, this is where it gets a little twisted. So we had this beautiful, huge, huge plane um, going to Switzerland. And we land in Switzerland. We disembark. We all head to the hotel, and everyone's, like, so tired. And this one guy named Bill was super sweet. And then the other pilot had his wife with him. And then there was a female who was the captain of the whole shebang. And so I said, it's a shame that we're only here for, you know, a little bit. He's like, well, I go around the corner to a bar and whatnot and I said no it's it's, I'm going to bed like fuck this I'm going to bed so I go to bed the next day we all load up we get on the van we head to the airport and the plane is broke down and they've got to bring the part in on the next plane Mm -hmm. so we go back to the hotel or another hotel after fighting the scheduling to get the hotel and I said fuck this I said I'm I'm going out I said I hated to be not classy about it but I said I'm done I'm done like this is we've been at the airport for hours trying to figure out what to do with this part and Bill the quiet guy said I'm going out too well the married guy says well I'm going where they're going well the female captain she's arguing crew scheduling with our our captain of the flight attendants that are trying to get to the hotel range she said I'm going where you're going so an hour or two later we all met up and went out to dinner and we walked all Wait, over. Quick question. Quick question. I remember exactly where we were. All the guys that you're seeing, the, the guy that's f- cheating on, like they're all on this flight together. You're all on this flight together. Yes. We're all on this flight. So it's, there's like eight flight attendants, three captains. Cause there's always an extra one going overseas. Well, one captain, two co-pilots. Yeah. And then the one brought his wife for the trip because we get free tra- we get free travels with our yeah. our family and our friends. So he brought his wife. So we go out, blah blah blah. And Bill and I meet early in the lobby, thirty minutes early, and have a drink. He's older, like sixty, sixty-five, married, very humble gentleman. Just you could tell he's never done anything bad in his life. And I have to fucking corrupt him. Cause I'm like, Bill, tell me your private secrets. Let's see if we can top that shit because I'm manic. And of course I, I crack at him all night. We all go out bar hopping, have a really good time, walk around Switzerland, come back. And, um, we are at the hotel and we're all meeting in the lobby again. Well, the female captain and I had fooled around in the bathroom a little bit. 
And so we come back, and she's like, oh, cool. So that was fun. That was a great little hookup. And so Bill is sitting there, and the other pilot and his wife. And the other pilot and his wife start doing, like, their little flirt thing, go to their room. So I go back to their room. We play around a little bit. He, he of course, didn't have sex with me, but sex with her, and I had sex with her. Because it was like a boundary thing. Sometimes when married people have threesomes, the wife doesn't want the boy to, like, enter her, but just, you know, maybe suck him off a little bit. So I followed the boundaries of that couple. Well, I had got Bill's number. I text Bill, and I go, little humble Bill, old man Bill, go to his room, go into his door, just kiss him, push him back on the bed, take off his pants, put him in my mouth for two seconds, got up and rode him for, like, literally 20 seconds, and he got off. So that means I slept with four people <laughs> in one night <laughs> on a Switzerland trip why the plane was broken down. But wait, when you go into that room, it's the guy and his wife and the female pilot? No, the female pilot and I fooled around at the bars. Oh, okay, the in the bathroom. What did you guys do in there? Just like finger each other? Um, oh, de- definitely. No, I went fully down on her. Like, <laughs> we, of course, she fingered me, but I got on my knees, pushed her against the wall, looked at her, kissed her, went down on her, and had my way with her and with my fingers in and out of her. Her moans were absolutely beautiful, absolutely stunning. It's probably one of the best women I've been with. And I wrote about one of my second books, but she was very, very, very pleasurable. And when I got done going on her, I put both of my hands, one hand slapped it against the wall, one hand slapped against the stall war, and just kissed her really deep with the taste of her. Mm-hmm. And she literally was like, just looked at me. So and you, you keep mentioning she, your books, okay, and we didn't even talk about that, and I feel like people listening are going to, I know this because when you initially found me on TikTok and emailed, like we started talking back and forth, you were like, I have this book, and this is my pen name, right? So you have these books, book, books that you wrote about all this shit? I have a book. Uh-huh. How many? I, a, I did not, I have a book, and the second book oh, is a not book. written. It's, okay. Second book is written, but not published yet. And there, the first book is all about escorting. It's not a well-written book. It's not. It's an easy read. Like pick it up, read it on the subway, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. It's each chapter is named after a person that I had an escort affair with. Not each one, but the ones that stuck out to me. Right. Right. Um, right. The so notable they, ones. So then it ends. It ends on how mania, depression, and abuse can cause these reactions. Yeah. Well, book two takes off again on more clients that I had. And where I went to where I kind of went, because I went manic in between and got back on medicine. Yeah. So then I went back into retirement and I went right back at it again because I said I did it for two and a half years. And so the second book is more people. And the third book is a, a whole nother can of worms. And the fourth book has started on my flight attendant adventure. Right. But only one so book is fourth, out there. And where can people find that book and what's the title? Why don't you just That book is available it. on Amazon. And mm-hmm. it's um, under Seeking Arrange or Seeking Chloe Harper. Um, so Seeking Chloe Harper, as Seeking comes from Seeking Arrangements. So, and my name was Chloe Harper. So they were seeking me. So Seeking Chloe Harper. Um, book two, which is almost out, is called Seeking Chloe Harper Behind Closed Doors. Okay. And then you have the other two that you're writing, whatever. So let's get back to your pilots and everything. So you bang all those people, right? This is, that's what happens on that trip. That was one of your crazy experiences. That was one of my funnest ones. I yeah. mean, I've had lots of crazy ones, which I will write about in the flight attendant chapter. Chloe's <laughs> flight attendant chapters. Yeah. But um, I was very lucky to have that ability to fly where I needed to go. And if somebody I needed was on one trip, 
I would fly into the city and see them on that trip. And right. we, uh, you, you make things happen magically in the airlines when you have a pass to anywhere. Right. So that was like the perfect kind of gig for you. I mean, I'm assuming you probably didn't do that knowingly, right? You, you but you, but that did help your issue and uh, like foster it. I mean, not in a good way, but it aided it. Yeah, yeah, it aided it, right? And it, and so when your parents took you out of that and you stopped working and you've been living with them, have you been uh, ha- doing any of this stuff? No, I have actually been really calm for the, the short stint that I've been home for. And I think their biggest fear is me to go back to the airline. Um, right. Because, because it aids and abets you. <laughs> Yeah, so they're kind of like, are you ready for work? Um, of course, they're like, Amy, when are you going back? But at the same time, they're like, are you going to stay on your meds again? Because I've been on and off of them for so long, since you know my early 20s, that anything could happen. And it's so easy, so easy not to take their meds. I mean, it's just like, boom, you're done. You're done. And within 48 hours, you're whore galore. Right, I mean, and you know, I mean, you, you talk in like you know, you, you talk about like intellectually, you know, these things, right. But there's probably obviously this, I think when you have these kind of issues, there's something else that takes over. And even though you, like I said, know in your brain, everything about your disorder and what happens if you don't take your medicine, there'll be a part of you that will not take your medicine and you'll wind up exactly doing this behavior that you know is wrong, right. Intellectually, but there Uh, you are doing it again, like sabotaging, you know, back where you started for and that in lies the problem now do you have a therapist that you see at all times absolutely every week i have a therapist that is really picking away at the multiple personalities thing that i mentioned of course the bipolar but the thing is is i like being a whore mm-hmm. i i like like it right so if i was to go back to the airline i which i i'm on leave for, i want to my family knows i'm going back they know i'm going back at some point that's my passion i love to travel i love that my kids get to travel for free it, my ex-husband's my, listed as my husband on my past he gets to travel i mean so it's the point is where do i balance not being like a super whore i think they secretly think i'm going to find like the man and settle down when the man I found was married and he did not settle down. So therefore I don't have a reason to settle down. Um, I like being promiscuous. I literally, I literally could masturbate in my car right now talking to you. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's how promiscuous I am just by hearing a female voice or regular voice. It, the slightest thing triggers me. And like I said, I miss a, you know, 48 hour dose and it's like, I'm skeeting guys out at the bus stop. Like, so you're oh, still doing, like, you're still acting out, even though you're on some medication right now. I'm, I'm acting on myself, trying to keep it self-control. Right. So like, am I having sex with people? No. But if I'm flirting, am I out? Am I going home and masturbating like crazy? It's out of control, out of control, because I can't go out and express myself. Like a part of me says, this is a part of my life. I like being Chloe. I like being out there. Um, it's, it's kind of disheartening that you have to hold it in because I don't. <laughs> well, you did say, listen, I mean, you did say though, while you're doing that, you do have another part of you, right? That doesn't feel right about it. I mean, that's the truth, right? Yeah. Or is it all of yeah. you feels like this is fine? Cause if it was, then I'd be like, wow, sex positive, go do what the fuck you want to do. I don't know, you know, take control of it. That's what you're like, but the- that's not what's going on here. Correct. 
Correct. But I think the depression kicks in, and I think the fact, not to pull it in, but I think motherhood mm-hmm. has a, a a big sway in whether what you're doing or what you're not doing. Um, what do you mean? But um, you get going, and you're, like, doing your thing, and you're going down on these guys, and you're doing your thing, and you're kind of, like, no self-control. You want to do whatever you're doing. And then you're, like, for a second, it flashes in your head, you're a mom. You're right. You're a mom. Uh-huh. And I think that's where the control kind of goes in and out so much. Um, I think when my kids are older, older, I'm going to be at more damage to myself than I am right now. Maybe, um, but maybe because you swing on such extremes, like maybe when you don't have that other extreme of that you have framed in your mind of being a mom like maybe you won't have to do that I think maybe having that in that place all the way on the other side of this promiscuous place is what actually makes you act out whereas if that wasn't there maybe you wouldn't have to swing so far the other way do you know what I'm saying yeah I do understand what you're saying um I don't know your disorder. Listen, it's complicated. You have a lot going on. Bipolar is one thing. Then you say you have these multiple personalities. That's another thing, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's yep. like complicated stuff. I always make jokes on my show. And I'm like, I'm not a, a, a therapist at all. You know, I'm a, I give unprofessional advice, right? So, you know, if there was a, if I was a real therapist, I, I would, you know, I would know more about your diagnosis and what is at play there, Right. Um, you, you know it, I'm sure, cause you've been in therapy your whole life, right? But it still controls yeah. you to some point, even when you're on medication. It, it does. And the reason why they won't write me back to work is I'm the worst case they've ever seen. My medical team. Uh-huh. There's two, two nurse practitioners, one doctor and a therapist that meet regularly, like two or three times a month on my behaviors. And they said that they're the worst case they've ever seen. In, the, in, in their whole career. In what sense? That even under medication you're acting out, that you can't control, yep. you still have? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm put at bay with my medicine. Like, I'm put at bay. Yeah. But like I said, because I'm put at bay, I'm not acting out, but I'm still masturbating, fantasizing, desiring, wanting these things again. Mm-hmm. Because I like doing it. Like I said, and then you're a mom at the same time, and you're like, ooh, I don't need to act this way and I don't want to hurt people. So I'll never have a real relationship again because I'm I, deep down. I like being a whore. Like it's a horrible thing. Um, and now your ex-husband, cause you said very early on in this conversation, like, Oh, you know, he's my best friend and I, you know, I just, I still can't get over it. I mean, do you ever, cause I'm assuming you see him con- or in contact with him. You have a, kids together, right? Do you live close by each other now that you're with your parents? No, I, they live two hours away. I stay at his house. Yeah. Like I have my own bed there. Or I stay with my daughter in her bed. I I practically, it's like a living in situation. His girlfriend comes in and out. She's sweet as pie. Love her to pieces. Love her kids to pieces. And we do a whole family thing here. We let the kids, you know, go to dinner. We let them go to their sports. We swap on and off who's running them to swim team and who's fixing dinner tonight. And we let them see that it's a positive environment, even yeah. though we're not together. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we are one of those rare co-parenting situations that um, I call it bird nesting. The baby birds have never left their nest. Right. I mean, they may visit me at my mom's for a week or my ex-girlfriend. We had a place we'd go down for a week, um, but they, they, they don't leave their nest. Their school is here. This is where they live. This, I come in and out. Dad, you know, he works 
lot. But their so nest is with the, the ba- father, right? Yeah, the nest is here with the father. But oh, you're there both, now, I mean, right? He goes on, yeah, I'm there now. Um, but he goes on vacations, and you know, he does his thing too. Not very often. They they bust his ass at work a lot. But he's able to to have that stability that I'm here with him. So you know, he's not right. worried about not rushing home. So yeah, the baby birds don't leave the nest. But what about you? Like, oh, my girlfriend's house. Like, what? How did you have a girlfriend, and how long was that relationship, and what went down there? Right. That was a friend from years ago, kind of like the race car driver that popped back up in my life. And we worked together for a year and a half. And the kids would come down and visit for like a week or two, but nothing. But they didn't know any different. Um, just really unstable, really unstable relationship. So I just got out of it the past few months. And, of course, I've been staying with my mom more because of it. So my mom's excited because the girl's just really abusive. How long um, were you with her that, for? A year and a half, but I've known her for 20 years. Right. Okay. And she was abusive to you too. Yes. She was very controlled what I do. Um, how long I'm on my phone. Cause you get alerts on your iPhone and what your screen time is. Uh-huh. My screen time would be down like 70% the week I was at her house. Right. Cause I, I wasn't allowed on it at all. And, um, just control what I, who I was talking to. Like if my ex-husband would text message, Hey, do you want because we would go around his work schedule when he's on call and not on call. And um, he's an obstetrician, so you never know when the babies are coming. Yeah. So he would be like, hey, I'm on call this weekend. Can you come in and cover me? And I'd be like, yeah, I'll be there Thursday, and I'll cover you to the following Thursday or whatever, Friday, whatever the week was. And she would throw a fit. She was like, you can't answer his calls. You can't text message him. You're not, well, girl, bitch, please. He pays my cell phone bill. Like, and it's my kids. Like, if my kids need somebody there, I'm going to go be with my kids. Right. But but you're, I mean, I would assume somebody with all your issues, because I always say like attracts like. I've had my issues in my past, and I was always meeting douchebags and dating douchebags, and I have to take some accountability for that, right? Because I really believe like attracts like. So it's not, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand why you are having all these bad relationships. If you are, by your own statement, saying that you're the worst case these doctors have ever found, I mean, it's, it's very unlikely right now in your life you're going to be able to attract Prince Charming, you know, and have this normal relationship not, because you're not, not at this point. yeah, you're not stable yourself. It sounds like your your first husband, right? That first relationship was probably the healthiest you ever had, right? And you're lucky that you wound up having kids with him and not anybody else. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because he. But it's funny that you. Yeah. I'll keep on. No, you say you go. No, it's funny you mentioned rocket scientists, and not to jump back to my book, but someone uh, messaged fine. me the other day. Yeah, yeah, messaged me the other day and said, um, "Why is your book um, a short read and not up to standards?" And I said, "Well, it doesn't take rocket scientists to be a whore." Right, right. <laughs> like, but so therefore, you said, you know, the rocket scientist thing really just sticks out at me because <laughs> it it just people amaze me. People just amaze me every day. What, that they person really that just, like an online troll that said that to you? Is that what you're saying? I, I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get so many emails and so much stuff. It's insane. The book has really just taken off. It really has just, it. I just put it out, and it's just, it, you get mixed emotions from it. But it's something that's been really important the past month or months of the launching to really just put it out there, what I'm doing. This is escorting. This is what it's like to... um 
be out there. And it's, like I said, a quick, easy read. But my, my ex-husband is the most stable that I have been into. Not that it, our relationship was perfect, but he's my rock. He really, I mean, he did not have to tolerate this behavior. He still doesn't have to tolerate this behavior. But knowing that I have been quiet for the time I've been home has been real inspiring to him and my family. And like I said, they're dabbling in the idea of me going back to the airlines. But how far do we put my schedule to where I'm working full time and dicking around overseas and having cocks in my mouth. Right. <laughs> right. Well, at least you're spending time. I mean, maybe writing the books and doing all that and having, you know, telling these stories and living out your um, other parts of your personality, like through writing and creating scenarios about it, and maybe not living them would be beneficial to you, you know, make it like, you know, maybe live out all these kind of whorish things that you want to do, <laughs> you know, on paper, yeah. as opposed to in really, and you know, just focus on that. It'll help your writing get better. If people are complaining, it's not up to par. It was your first fucking book, right? But you know, yeah. uh, maybe after you're done telling all your real stories, you could start just creating some made up ones, right? And 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 I, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too because I have so much material that's there that I can mesh with other material. Yeah, but um, like I said, I'm lucky that I have enough material to do four books. Um, yeah, but when the, you're done and maybe sure. don't go back, if they're really taking off, you could become like a really successful erotica like author. Novelist. Yeah, no, yeah. for real. And like I said, it, you know, these stories that you're telling now are all things that happen. But maybe, you know, when you're done putting that all out, you start to create the fantasies and the stuff in your in your head and live that out, you know, and live it out through writing it. And it'll probably be very therapeutic for you. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, my mom has talked about different things like, Amy, you should write more. My therapist, who knows more, yeah. is like, maybe you should write all this stuff down. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, yes, but at the same time, I'm pulsating. I mean, I haven't been with a man in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And that is start. And it's not that I'm like, oh, I want a relationship with you. This is like, I see someone random at the grocery store and it's like, hey, can, can we just real quick, just do something real quick? Not that I'll get off cause I won't get off at all, but I'm craving that the rebellious side, the things that you should not be doing. Yeah. But that's an itch you shouldn't scratch. You know, that's some sort of dysfunctional part of you that's addicted to like fucking drama that, and the only way to stop that is to just not, do it no you know until that goes away and that could be you might have to not do that for a really long time before that goes away but I think it's probably not so bad for you to I mean I I do think though you probably go from one extreme to another and you know being more moderate would probably tame you more so than either just fucking whoever you want or not fucking at all right because then you get oh it's been a year and a half and you just want to fuck anybody you know (laughs) it's like and you it's they do have a saying what you resist persists right so if you're forcing yourself not to be with someone now that's all you're fucking thinking about that you could just go and fuck a stranger you know there's got to be a balance in the middle but I'm sure like because you still have these issues and they're not resolved and you're still working on yourself that you know having being more moderate is difficult for you so in the meantime like know thyself is one of my favorite sayings and it's and it seems like you do you know who you are right I mean you haven't got it figured out and you haven't conquered all these demons inside of you 
but you know what you do, you know what your triggers are, you know what you like, you know what's wrong, you know what's right, you know, and you got to like mind fuck yourself. You know? So like Chloe yeah. is like this whore that does this stuff and then there's another part of you that feels bad. So like right now, maybe if you really just focus your mind on writing more and continuing to write and to, you know, work it out that way, it's uh, it could be helpful. And like I said, healing. Um so that you don't continue to act out and do all that stuff. I don't know. That's like you need to be in therapy like at least two times, three times a week on your medication, right? Doing your Oh, thing. yeah. They suggested that. They When I first started out, it was three times a week. Yeah, um, that really helps. But, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It definitely. In the, and they suggest that, too, trying to get me in there as much as possible. But schedules get filled really quick so it's hard to get but in if you're not working like to get in. yeah you're not working right now right yeah but it's their schedules that get they're trying to put with the medical team um they had a second therapist on board but she was a red hot mess uh -huh. so i stuck with one and so getting into her schedule two three times a week has been really hard right um, but she's been starting to make more time for me which is nice because the thing with her is she's available after hours through email right so i get a lot of therapy through that and a lot of information that way per se than having my appointments like as much as they would like for me to have my appointments being the worst case they've ever seen okay. um, because it's I'm sure that like on some level like you know one of your little alter egos here probably loves the fact that you're the worst case they've ever they've ever seen <laughs> Girl, you absolutely know it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know I mean, I'm yeah. messed up. No, I'm but totally that, messed but up, so I'm like, ah, the worst case, my ex-husband went out the door the other day. He said, I'm leaving as one person. We'll see who's here when I get back. <laughs> yeah, but there must be like some, you know, that ego that needs to be fed and needs to make someone, you know, they're, 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 you probably hold on to that. And that's why, in, you know, there's probably a part of you that doesn't want to let that go because who would you be without all this stuff, you know what I mean? The dysfunctional stuff like feeds your ego. If you took it all away, who would you be and what would make you feel good about yourself? You know, and that's, that. therein lies the problem. I'm an addict that has been sober for 17 years. I was a major drinker and when I was drinking, I dressed up really slutty and went out and about and fucked a lot of people and blackouts and did all that kind of stuff. And I remember like the first year of being sober, I had all this these clothes. They were like basically what people wear for Halloween now, you know what I mean? But this is like the shit I went out with regularly. And I was like, like, where do I get, where do I get that validation from? Like, where do, where, how am I hot now to guys? Like what, you know, where does my ego get fed? And that was like a hard thing to figure out. Right. So I get why sometimes it's hard to let go of, uh, uh, that, that kind of a part of yourself, right? Because there is a lot of validation that comes with it. So when you let go of that, what do you have? So I think some people hold on to that a lot because who, like I said, who are you? without all that. Who are you if you're not the worst case scenario that these people have ever seen, you know? Yeah, I'm scared because that's the only validation I currently have. Right. Because and then I haven't, when I you don't have that, you'll go out and get escort. You'll go fuck escorts, you know, so it's like it's uh it's that big vapid hole in your ego and your ego and everything that um you know needs to be healed so you don't need all that kind of stuff to feel 
good about yourself or define who you are, you know? Right now on my show, you're Chloe Harper, right? That's the person who people could read about in your books. I'll put a link to it. I'm sure a lot of guys are going to want to read your erotica stories, right? It is like hot erotica, right? Um, Yeah, it's always guys that read it. Yeah, but who are you really without that? Who is like the real you? Um, You know, we could do a Chloe part two, which, you know, I'm sure would be interesting to do and to get more information from you. Um, But there's like another person, right? I mean, I don't know how many how many personalities you have. Do you know? They have found two. My Mm -hmm. my I shall call it my mommy personality. And of course, the Chloe promiscuous um, naughty girl, no boundaries person. They're working on more at this point, but they have decided that Chloe is worth a person in itself that we should focus just on her right now in therapy, that she's valid, that she's a person. Is she a a wonderful, outstanding citizen? Not Mm -hmm. exactly, but she is valid working on in therapy. And that's where they have been going with therapy recently is coping mechanisms um, and dealing with how I can't take her out of my life. I can't remove her. So Mm -hmm. how do I learn to live with her? Right. And how do you integrate the two? Because they're both inside of you. Yes. Right. So I think and they're that's two where extremes. they're pinpointing a lot. Yeah. Yes. Two mm-hmm. major extremes. Yeah. The two, mom. It's, it's amazing how hot and cold I go. I've, I'm total mom mode, lunch packing, whatever. And then the next thing I know, I'm kids off at school and I'm like masturbating. Like it's totally extreme. She'll go in and out in days or she's docile for months or years. Yeah, that you have a problem with coming. moderation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. that's typical, you know, and that's, uh, like I said, because you were like, oh, and well, maybe when I'm not a mom, it'll be even worse. But I think maybe when you have that other extreme not there, then maybe that um, that huge difference might be a little bit more laxed, right? Because if you, if you didn't have that mom thing that's so on the other side of the spectrum, then there wouldn't be such a big spectrum that you'd have to go so far out from. Do you understand? I think I'm a single mom and I have to say that being a mom is like the most unsexy thing. Like there was a first couple of years of having a child. I was like in Gymboree and I was a full time mom in Gymboree around all this estrogen nannies, just like singing baby shark. You know, it's like it's very unsexy and you could really lose you know, sight of that part of yourself. I would say when my son turned about three, I started to feel like I was coming back to myself. And it was scary for a while to be like, oh my God, I've lost touch with that, you know? And if I was younger and still had all my issues, I could see why somebody, if you had an addiction problem and had, you know, you were bipolar, why you could, you know, flip the other way and how that could happen, you know, because it is an extreme, you know, motherhood can be a very extreme one way to live. And if you have another part of you that you're not feeding and catering to, you know, just a little bit in moderation, you know, you could go the other way and be very extreme with it and then do like what you're doing. You're an extreme case of it. But I think, you know, it happens on very slight levels to a lot of women, right? Because we're all like, it's like the Madonna whore complex. We all have those both parts of us in us, right? Um, you yeah. do too, and you, but you just haven't been able to integrate them both. But it's great that you're in therapy. I think, like I said, know thyself. That's the first thing that someone has to do, you know, in order to get better is like know their shit, know what's wrong with them. And then, you know, the work comes into play as far as like, 
taking your medicine, going to therapy, trying to figure it out. And I think writing for you is like the greatest thing. I think it's great that you're writing these books. I think it's great that you're putting it out there. People should go read your book. Why don't you give another plug to it? What's the name? People could find it on Amazon. Yes. Seeking Chloe Harper. Seeking Chloe Harper. You could hear more hot stories. Uh, you know, you could come back on. I'm sure. Like, I feel like there was a million things we could have went and talked about. I tried to get the whole, like the, the gist of the story in an hour. Right. But, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot more there, but, um, I'm going to wrap it up. And I just want to say thank you so much for calling in and I'll include a link to your book so people could hear, you know, more details about your escorting. All right. Well, thank you. Keep me posted and let me know how everything is. Maybe we'll talk again in like three months and see what's going on with you, Chloe. That sounds great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.